you ever considered where you um, were status-wise with God in your relationship with God, where you were um, when Christ died for you? That is, the condition of your heart when you were saved. Um, have you ever thought about your position before you came to faith? I think we, we tend to think about how maybe we began to ask questions. We, we tend to think about growing up and, and understanding and being taught things in church or maybe being invited. So I, I, I'm not sure that the idea of where we were before really hits us because before God's at work, we're not thinking much about God, um, not, not the real God. But here is... Um, um, in, in Ephesians, we've been reminded of our condition. Last week, we looked at the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 2, and let me remind you what Paul said, that we were dead in our trespasses, not sick, not weak, not limping along, that we were spiritually dead, unresponsive, no life, nothing to do uh, with God. The second is that we were walking according to the course of the world under the power of the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, the spirit that is not work in the sons of disobedient, that, that spiritually we were dead, but we were also, uh, another term he would use is that we were under the, the power of um, this age and our flesh, that in other words, we were slaves to sin, that we were not free. We were doing what the world said to do, what Satan said to do, what our flesh called us to do, our appetites. And then the third is, by nature, children of wrath. That is, our condition by nature is in opposition to God, rebels turned away from Him. And so with, with all of these things, we now get to verse 4, but... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ. That is, that, that he sees that our condition was that we were against God, that we were dead, that we needed a Savior. Um, I, the, the kids' first song spoke about this so great. I, um, Keelan said there needs to be more Bible school songs about total depravity. Because what a wonderful thing for uh, kids to realize the need for a Savior. But did you catch the, some of the words there? It's better than love most of what's on K-Love. That um, I, I need someone to cleanse me. I can't cleanse myself. I need someone to save me. I can't save myself. We need a mighty Savior. And that understands our condition apart from God. And so it's not that but God seeing your good intentions but God, seeing that you would really do a good job, but God, seeing your ability to respond to what he did, none of that's there. It's but God being rich in mercy and having great love for you. And so we, we get to this, that his, his love of that condition and not because of um, any kind of potential in us says... Uh, he reverses our condition. We who were dead, he made alive together with Christ. 
that, that he's, he's overturning everything in that previous few verses, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now he's given us new life and raised us from that dead condition by raising us with Christ Jesus. So what we celebrate on Easter is a historical fact of Jesus coming forth from the grave, but the spiritual fact is we who have died with him, who have been crucified with him by trusting in him, you have been raised too. Spiritually, we have overcome death, and we have new life within us, and we have been raised from the spiritual grave, and now you are alive. Not only that, that we were, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Now, for Paul, when he's talking about the heavenly places, he's not talking about Mars, You're not going to send a rover to where Jesus is. What he's talking about is kind of the spiritual realm that um, we we remember he's talked about lifting his name above every name and seated him in the heavenly places. It's it's a spiritual authority. It's It's a place over everything else. And so we who were once under the powers of the air, which is seen as kind of the spiritual realm underneath the heavenlies, Now you have been lifted from that, from being in bondage to that, to being seated with Christ over all other powers. So you're no longer enslaved to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because of the power of Christ, you've not only been raised from the dead, but you have been uh, seated us with him in heaven. You have been seated with him in the heavenly places, that you have been given a place of authority that, that now you can overcome those temptations. Now you can overcome the appetites of the flesh. Now the, the, Satan has no authority over you or power over you. You have been given this new position of glory and power to resist and to live, to glorify God. So he's done these things. And that we who um, once had a, a nature... Um, now are in Christ. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we are his workmanship. Now that our our nature is no longer the nature of those who are in rebellion against God and children of wrath, now our nature is children of God, of of good works, I mean, of, of Christ's workmanship that we should do good works. And so he's overturned all of these things and surely by his grace. And this is the good news because this is what we need. We need a Savior who comes in and does all these things for us. Uh, if you're dead, you can't do much. Spiritually, to, to, to you know, speak and share the good news to somebody... It is apart from the Spirit, apart from God actually doing the work, like going across 51 out there and saying, hey, y'all come build a, you know, help me build something. Or, hey, you know, y'all, y'all come, we, we don't hear, we can't respond, we're, we're dead. We need someone alive to give life and to work a miracle in us. If we are enslaved to sin, if we're under the power and authority of others, we don't just decide, hey, we're going to walk out of this captivity. We need someone to rescue us and to bring us out, to, to pay the ransom to rescue us. And if our nature is that we are children of wrath, we, we can't change our nature. We can't change who we are. We, we can't just decide we're going to be something else. 
we need a miracle to change that nature. So the prophet Jeremiah says, can a leopard change its spots? You know, that's what a leopard is by nature. You, you don't paint stripes on it and call it a, oh, zebra. That's the thing. I'm thinking unicorn. There's, we can't glue a horn on it and call it a unicorn either. I mean, we, by nature, our nature has to be changed. This is why Jesus talks about good fruit and bad fruit. You produce fruit according to your nature, and so what we need is our nature to be changed, and we can't change our own nature. We need the work of a sovereign and mighty God. And this is what he does, and he does so completely out of his love and his grace and his mercy. Um, Paul over, almost overwhelms us with how often he is telling us, this is by grace, this is by God's love. God, rich in his mercy, because of the grace, love, great love with he loved us, even when we were dead made us alive. By grace, you have been saved. Um, By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift. It's not a result of works. He's created us, and it's just overwhelming us because your heart and everything about you is constantly telling you, you get what you deserve. The law of God is written on your heart so that the basic fundamental stance you have is good people get rewarded and have a good life, bad people get punished. Everything about you is saying, I have to do more good than bad or God doesn't love me and accept me. I have to earn and perform. I have to do things. And it's, we do, we, I mean, most of life we do that. Work hard and get good grades. I'm still going to tell my kids that. But work hard Get a good job. Get things on your resume. Work hard, and you'll improve, and you'll go up the ladder in your career. Work hard, and you'll be rewarded. Practice hard, and you'll do good in a sport. Work hard, and you'll make more money. Make more money, and people will respect you. Work hard, and you'll um, get more fit and look better, and people you know, be more acceptable. Work hard, and do things, and you'll be rewarded. And if you make a mistake, and you do things wrong, you're going to be punished. You're, you're not going to be as worth as much as somebody else. They're not going to respect you as much. If you say the wrong thing, they're going to not want to be around you. And everything about us is saying you get what you deserve. And so the idea of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy is so counter to whatever we hear. It's, it's pretty hard for us to hear it. It's hard for understand it. So I think because of that, there's just this overwhelming repetition. God's love, not your performance. God's mercy, not your ability to fix your mistakes. Not because you have done anything to work and deserve this, because you're not capable of it. It's, he's just pounding in our head that we are saved completely and totally by God's grace received by faith. That, that, that grace that comes to us even when you were dead. You didn't make yourself alive and try to get yourself into a good position to receive that grace. That grace is what makes you alive. That, that grace is what gives you a new life. That grace is what gives you faith. You've been saved by grace through faith. And all of this, your faith, your, your grace, your acceptance of it, 
is God's work, not your own. It's God doing this, um, not ourselves. It's not a result of works. And so please hear this. Because I, I, it, it is so counter, even, even in churches, even in churches that would have a statement of faith that says, we believe we're saved by God's grace and grace alone. And then they start adding in things to that, well, grace, but you really need to be at church every Sunday to really get it by grace. And then you got to, you know, vote a certain way by grace, but then you have to care for um, things by grace, but you, you, you got to persist and stay with it. And, and so often is the case that everything around us, we, we say grace, but then quickly move on to what you have to do to prove that you're worthy of that grace. And so I've, I've shared with you before about kind of my working through of um, um, kind of noticing the divide in most churches I saw. I would go into some churches and, well, you could tell most people voted red. And a lot of what was talked about was, um, you know, family values and find against the evils in our country. And you could list out the sinners and how they need to be dealt with. And most of the sermons were talking about things that would really agree with one political party. I'd go into other churches, and you could tell most of them probably voted blue. And it was a whole other list of things of the care for, uh, you know, pointing to Jesus' care for the poor and care for the needy and how we, we could list a whole other things of, you know, God's not really so concerned about our, you know, these things, but here's the really important laws we need to look at. And there was talk about justice and those things. And the thing is, I saw in God's law that both of them are pointing to things that were in Scripture. God absolutely calls us to care for the poor. God absolutely calls us to be pure in our sexuality. God's law calls us to be compassionate for the, the less fortunate and to sacrificially work towards helping them. God's law also tells us that we are to work hard and be diligent and to provide and be responsible. So all of these things in, in kind of red and blue, we see, yes. What I realized, though, was both of them were just focusing on one, you know, different aspects of the law. And there wasn't a lot of grace because it was all about, yes, God saves us. But now we need to get to work and how we get to work. Are we going to get to work on this list or are we going to get to work on this list? But it was still about our works. It's still about what we do. And it misses that we, we do those things. But those things are not what earns our place with God. Because nothing you can do can overcome your sin, your rebellion, your, your, your need for a Savior. We don't make up for things. We, we don't earn our way. We receive it by faith that itself is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so Christianity is not about the good things that you do. Christianity is about the great thing God did for you, even when you were a sinner, even when you were cast off from God. Even when you were by nature a rebel and deserved his wrath, this is what we, we celebrate, is our mighty Savior. 
We do this, it's not a result of works so that we can't boast. See, the thing is, if we make Christianity about us, there's a couple of things we can do. One is, if you realize you can't live up to that standard, which is the more sensible solution, if you realize you can't live up to what God demands of you and you think, I have to earn it, you're going to be completely in despair. You're going to be just overwhelmed by God's demand. Um, you know, if, if, if there's something in your life where you say, I have to do this if I'm going to be um, in, right with God or right with others, and you don't meet that, you're going to be overwhelmed with guilt, and you're wonder, am I really a Christian? I'm, I'm not acting like one. I'm, I'm failing to. Or, and this may be more common, if we come up with our list and say a Christian is the one who does these things, and I end the week and I've done all those things, then I feel better than anybody else who doesn't meet my list of what needs to be done. You know, see if I can accomplish the things that I've I've made my list of. Okay, I've 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 prayed every week. I've gone to church. I've mowed my lawn. I'm better than that person down the road who hasn't done those things, who hasn't met my standards. And so the law and thinking that Christianity is about following the law either puts you in despair or makes you look down on others. That's why he says, remember, it's not your own doing. Um, It is a gift of God so that no one may boast. None of us here can say, I'm a Christian. I'm I've." I've, I've met the requirements. I've done the things, and I'm better than somebody else. We can't boast that we've done anything. I'm not a Christian because I was somehow smarter than somebody who couldn't see the truth. I'm not a Christian because I was a little bit better than someone else who, um, you know, doesn't love God as much as I normally, I naturally did. I'm not a Christian because God saw that I would do more with the grace he's given with we're Christians only and completely by God's grace. I feel like this is the sermon I've preached most of my ministry. I'm so glad to be in this passage. But he's done this uh, so that we can do good works. We, we have to remind ourselves of grace constantly. We have to come back continually and remember it's grace. It's not the works that we do. Um, David sent me a um, text Earlier, not that one. It's a text. Uh, it's a quote from Tim Keller. <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll share the Chuck Norris jokes with you later. He sent me a text. It was a quote from Tim Keller that said, um, you know, we need to remember that we're saved by grace when we fail. Um, but we need to remember it more when we succeed. And that, that's absolutely right. See, the, the temptation is always, I'm not good enough. I've got to try better, and I feel guilty. If that's where you are today, hear this. You're saved by grace. You're, you're saved completely by God's love and his mercy, not because you've done enough good. But we also know here when we succeed, when we've done good. So if you think I've done everything right, and you've come into church thinking, well, kind of, I deserve to be here. Of course I'm here. And you, you've, I mean, if you're celebrating something great, that's wonderful. We rejoice and we celebrated the good that's happened. But you also need to remember you're, you're not saved by doing that great thing. You're not saved by that success. 
you too are saved by God's mercy and not because you've done a good job this week. So where are good works? Um, I, I think the fear of anybody getting grace, they kind of think, oh, well, doesn't that mean you can just go and be a lousy person, but if you believe in Jesus, you're going to heaven? Is that what you're saying? You're just saying you can do anything? And No, because if, you're, if you truly are trusting, that means you're a new creation. You've been created for good works. And so if you're truly trusting in Christ, you're not doing good works so that you can be rewarded, so that you can become a Christian. God has worked in you and saved you in order to send you out to do good work. And so if there's something in your nature that is now rebelling against God's law, you need to ask, are you truly trusting in Christ? Have you been reborn if your nature hasn't been changed so now that you want to please God, that you want to do good works? Because it's now that we have been rescued and we've been set free, now we go forth and we work towards justice. We work towards loving others. We work towards showing compassion. We work towards loving and serving our neighbor. We do these things because of what he's done, not in order to earn his love. And I would say that's the place where you're only really doing good works. I, I can remember, I don't know if, I can't remember if it was a Sunday school class or Boy Scouts. They met at the same building. I was the same age. I was easily confused and distracted. But one of those, part of our meeting together was, what was the good deed you did this week? And so we would send the boys out. It was a boys' ranch, so it was me and a lot of other boys. And, um, and they were all either Boy Scouts or in the Sunday school class too. So anyway, but the idea was we would go, and then we would come back to report the good deeds we did that week. I held the chair out for Mom Roper. I opened the door for Miss Sis. I, I picked up the dishes. I did this. And it was good to get kids in the habit of thinking of others and doing good deeds. But I, there was a sense in which if I'm doing good deeds only so I can report and say, you know, I mean, you, you kind of lose something there. There's, there's a little bit of authenticity lost when you're trying to do it so that you can report back next week. In other words, there's a motive in our heart that makes a deed truly good. And if your thought is, I need to do good deeds for others to make up for the bad things I've done, don't you see there's a little bit of tainted work going on in that good deed? Or if you're doing a good deed because I want want God to be happy with me and love me more, then you're not doing it selflessly. You're not doing it out of pure love. You see, it's only if you say, I've been forgiven, I've been redeemed, I'm saved by grace and not by works. Only then, when I do a good work, and I know it changes nothing with my standing of God, only then am I doing it purely and out of true love for others. So we go knowing that we are saved by grace, knowing that God has radically changed who we are, and knowing that he has done so, so that we can now love others, and serve others with a totally pure heart. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine, be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the apostles.